Welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Christians often struggle to talk about areas of deep hurt like trauma or abuse, shame or betrayal. These are deep soul wounds. Friend, Christ came to not only heal us from our sin, but from our soul wounds as well. My name is Kristen Klaus and I'm a licensed professional counselor and author. And my guest and I are here to walk with you on your healing journey. We see you and hear you. Friend, if you hang with me, apply these truths to your life, you will be on your own path to a fully restored story. Grab your coffee, tea, or favorite drink, and let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Klaus, and you're listening to the Fully Restored Podcast. I am so excited today to be joined by Chris Camille. I'm part of the Hope Writers community, and a few months ago, I heard her on our Tuesday morning teaching at Hope Writers, and I knew I needed to have her on my podcast. I was so thrilled when she responded with a yes when I asked her, and I know that today's topic, Overcoming Imposter Syndrome, will minister to all of us today. Friends, I encourage you to share this episode with your friends and family. Most of us deal with this at some point in our lives, and today's episode will be life-changing and helpful in our journey of healing. Welcome, Chris, to the Fully Restored Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to have you here. And before we jump into the questions and the serious topic of the imposter syndrome, I just wanted to share a couple of fun facts about you. So the first one is you have lived overseas. Could you talk about that briefly? Yeah, my dad was in the military. So we had a couple of tours overseas. The first one was when I was pretty young. We lived in Italy for three years. And then later when I was in upper elementary school, going into middle school, we lived in Turkey for two years. What was that experience like for you? Um, I have, it's so weird because Italy, I was really little. I was in, I was like three, four, five, I think when we lived there, I do have a lot of memories about Italy. Mm -hmm. Um, it was interesting. That was, was both experiences were like full immersion experiences. In Italy, we lived, you know, off a military base in the community. I went to an Italian preschool where they only spoke Italian. So I apparently I was fluent in Italian as a young child. I do not remember much about it. That was the only way I could communicate at school. And so I guess I picked it all up. And then in Turkey, it was the same kind of thing. We were living in the city of Ankara in an apartment with some other Americans who lived in the apartment building, but all around us were just, you know, Turkish people, all kinds of different people living there. It's just kind of like this full immersion experience. I have really good memories of both places. What an amazing experience. I love that. I have family that are military as well. And I grew up hearing stories about when my grandfather One of my grandfathers was in the service and they lived overseas. So I always love to hear from other people about their experiences. So the second one is you wanted to study and work as a fashion designer. So tell us about that. Yeah, that was like all the all the years that I was in high school, I was super obsessed with fashion and fashion design and fashion magazines. And I used magazine pages as like wallpaper in my room and in my closet. And I, I just really loved clothes and love style and just putting things together and was really leaning that direction when I was looking at colleges. And then God sort of intercepted my plans and I went a completely different direction, but I still, I still love clothes. I still love all that stuff. I just, 
don't don't do it as a living. Well, and God's using your creativity in a different way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So let's kind of segue into the interview part of just sharing about yourself, the work you do in your family. Sure. I have four children. They are ages 17, 15, 13, and 11. So I'm in the thick of like the teenage, all of it. It's it's crazy. Yes, you um, are. <laughs> it's, it's good though. I, my kids are so good and I know I'm biased, but they really are good kids and it's actually fun. I'm really enjoying these years. I don't miss the diaper years or any of that. I'm, I'm really happy to be where we are. We homeschool primarily, although my oldest has started attending a hybrid situation where he's doing like trade work. So we're kind of moving. We're just, we kind of keep this fluid situation with school as far as what's working for us from year to year. I've been married to my husband who I met in high school. So we've been married 21 years this summer, I believe. And we live in Ohio. We've lived here. This is the longest I've lived anywhere because when I was a teenager growing up in the military, we moved every two years and we've lived in this city in Ohio for, I think it's like 16 years now, which is crazy to me. I've never lived anywhere that long. So it really feels like home to us. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and share briefly the type of work that you do. Yeah. So I would say right now, I host Refine Retreat, which is kind of contemplative, prayerful retreat for women. And obviously we got waylaid by COVID in 2020 and did not host a retreat. But there's been some other things that have developed connected with the Refine community. So I run an online membership community for women who are interested in the retreat or connected with the work that I do there. And then I also write in my free time. In your free time. (laughs) So Chris, could you share with us what imposter syndrome is and how has it affected your own life? Yeah, I wish I I wish I didn't know anything about it. (laughs) Imposter syndrome is just that I would say, at least for me, it's this overwhelming sense that you do not know what you're doing and that you are not qualified to do what it is you think you need to do. And I feel like, you know, as I was researching it a few years ago before hosting one of the retreats that was specifically for writers, imposter syndrome hits everybody. There's nobody really in any field who seems to be exempt from experiencing it. I mean, people who are in the top of their, you know, whatever their work is, they're, you know, they can be super accomplished and they still experience imposter syndrome and people who are just starting out experience it. So it feels kind of universal in that way that we're all susceptible to the effects of that feeling of like inferiority and being incapable and questioning whether we even have the right to do the work that we are feeling like we should do. So that's kind of how I look at it. Those are some great examples that inferiority, incapable, and question our ability or right to do that. I'm writing notes as we're talking here of putting the stuff down of what you shared So what are some of the imposter syndrome statements that you have heard or others have shared with you? Yeah. One of the examples I love that resonates so much with me is from Michael Card's book, Scribbling in the Sand. He said that some of the thoughts that he hears when he's working on something are like, there's no conceivable way someone like you can create this, or uh, how could you possibly hope to do better than, you know, fill in the blank. No one will listen or care about what you have to say. 
and who do you think you are? You know, some kind of celebrity or something like that. And when I read in his book that those were the the same voices he heard, I was like, oh, I hear all of those. Yes, those are all the same ones that speak to me too. Yeah, I'm thinking as you're talking at different points of my life, I've heard those that even stepping out and doing this podcast, it was, who do you think you are? You know, nobody's going to listen to you. Nobody wants to hear you. And to push past those statements and to, and to be obedient to what God is leading you takes work. Yeah. It, it takes work within us. Yes. Uh, it is very hard work. Very yeah. hard. I think for most of us, I don't know. I don't know anybody who said, oh, I have no problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just throw that thought away as it comes in. So I wanted to share a little info with everyone about imposter syndrome so we can better understand the impact it has in our lives. About 70% of people have dealt with imposter syndrome sometime in their life, probably more. It's believed to be found more in women than men. And with women, research has shown it's more about performance. For men, it's driven by fear of being unsuccessful. Performance, unsuccessful. So since this podcast is predominantly for women, what does that look like in us? What have you heard, Chris? I would say that all of those, the idea that it's performance-based is so true, at least for me. I think that I run into imposter syndrome when I am doing a work. So if I'm writing or if I am getting ready to host a retreat or things like that, it is rooted in my ability to do whatever it is that I feel like I'm, I'm going to do. So it's not so much centered on like, can you have these thoughts or things like that? It really is like, can you actually make that thing? Or are you really qualified yeah. to produce that project and put it out there in the world? And it, it often does speak to you questions of qualification or what's the word I'm looking for? Like the idea that like, are you equipped to do it? You know, that's one of those things where like, well, you don't have what you need. You know, you aren't what you need. You know, even that, that like it goes right to the core of who you actually are it feels like those are the things that are coming into question, which I think is why it's so powerful and effective at making it harder for us to do the work that we feel called to do. Absolutely. And comparison is huge. We compare ourselves to other people. And I'm thinking about, you know, you're talking about as the work that you do, the producing a product, whether it's writing retreats, different things of what you're working on. I'm also thinking about a mother, you know, that parent has it all together. I'm a mess. They're such good parents. I'm a failure. Those are things that I hear from some individuals that I counsel with that imposter syndrome is in all aspects of their life. It's not just in one particular thing, but it is about that performance of their value. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And as you're talking about that, about it goes into our core belief system. We hadn't talked about this before, but that really triggered a thought with me about our faulty core beliefs and how we create these rules in our life based on our faulty core beliefs. So the rule may be, I'm unlovable, so why reach out to somebody, try to be a friend with someone, they're not going to like me anyways. I'm unlovable, I'm not good enough, so why try at work or why try in this relationship or why pursue a relationship, a deeper relationship with God? He doesn't really love me anyways. Have you found that to be true in the situation with you and those that you've worked with? Yeah, I think that those things just continue to come up. And 
I think that going back to just that idea that those are core, like if somebody feels they're unlovable, um, that's, that's a deep, like core struggle. And that one issue alone really opens, I think your heart and mind up to really believing that imposter voice, that voice starts to sound like the truth. Yeah. And that's where I feel like we're so susceptible to it. And often what I have found with imposter syndrome is that some, I would say maybe not all the time, but some of the time there is a tiny thread of truth to it. And that makes it extra hard, I think, to combat because the thought is nobody really knows who you are. If you are comparing yourself to somebody who has a bigger platform or something like that, then there is some truth to that. There aren't a lot of people that know who you are, you know? So it can be hard to dismiss thoughts that have that little thread of truth. But I think it's that when you have those imposter thoughts, they're twisting truth. So I think that's where it gets really hard to discern, like, what do I do with this? How do I not believe this? Yeah, and twisting it and exaggerating it. Mm -hmm. Like hyper-focusing on one aspect and missing the rest of what God has put in you and who God created you to be. And we just focus on that one thought that is twisted and distorted, and we believe that to be full truth. So we shut down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Some of the other things that I was thinking about is feeling less than others. I'm not smart enough or good enough. Or I know one day they're going to discover I'm really a fraud. That's a big one. That is a big one. Yeah. That one too, I feel like speaks to that idea of our qualifications. You know, I think I've thought a lot about qualifications because of the fact that most of my work is like I produce it. So, you know, I don't, I haven't worked with a big publisher or anything on my own books. Those have been indie published. You know, I've worked with publishers on joint projects where I've contributed to other projects, but for my full-length books, I've produced those. And the retreat is not part of a church. There's no other, you know, thing behind it. I'm producing it with my team. And so the idea of qualification is constantly something I personally come up against still. And I've been doing this a long time because I don't have what we're sometimes looking for with some of those other things is this idea of validation that says, well, because you have this organization backing your work or whatever, that makes it more valid than somebody who doesn't have that. And that's one of those places where the idea of being an imposter feels like a real place of tension. Because when you hear that voice that says, well, you're not, you don't have any qualifications to do this. Like I'm not, I didn't go to school to become a retreat host. You know, like I don't have any training in that, in the sense of, no, I, I'm not qualified in the sense of having a degree or something like that, but I've been doing the work for years and my qualifications come through experience. And that is one of those places that's really difficult for people who don't have the traditional qualifications or whatever we would call it. And I'm just thinking about how many women really, because you were talking about doing a retreat and not feeling connected to a um, church or denomination. And I have a ministry, the Restore Movement, and it's the same thing. 
were not connected to a um, specific denomination or under the covering of a church. And we've done conferences and that struggle of because we're not connected with something bigger that are people going to come or is it of value? So fighting against that thought that I am less than because I'm not connected with a bigger entity, but also looking at that entrepreneurship that women have opportunities to step into unknown territory. And that is a call that maybe God has in their life. And so part of that call on your life is to step into this territory to create pathways for women to find healing and to be refined in their life. Instead, we focus on, do I have validation? Am I qualified? And we miss that God is saying, well, this is the direction I've called you to. This is the ground I want you to plow. And behind you are going to come other women and you're going to train up leaders to do this. Because I'm thinking you have leaders that are a part of this with you and you're pouring into their life as well. And we, so we miss that entrepreneur aspect of what God's call is in our life and to plow new territory because we're so busy looking at what we think we're lacking that we miss what God is doing in us. Yeah. I think that's one of the struggles with imposter syndrome is it does take your eyes off of the work. You can get so sidetracked chasing down those lies and those things that you're hearing that you stop doing the work that you knew at one point you were called to do. And I think that's a real danger. That's a real pitfall of, you know, the wrestling with imposter syndrome. So imposter syndrome is, is really rooted in our identity, right? And we have so many labels for our identity. And I'm just thinking about my own personal labels if I you know, want to name them off, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother. Probably grandmother is one of my favorite things right now. <laughs> I'm a licensed counselor. I'm a pastor. I'm a writer. I'm a speaker. I'm now a podcaster. Like That list can go on, but those aren't really who I am. They're just what I do. Could you talk to us about the false identities that we have? Yeah, I feel like I've wrestled a lot with that. And I think that it's particularly difficult in our culture because we do sort of define ourselves by our accomplishments yeah. um, or by our possessions or, you know, some kind of other status thing is how we tend to present ourselves. And I think that there is so much danger in that because if none of those things are yours anymore, you know, yeah. if, if those things were taken from you, then you're left going, I don't know who I am. And I think that, you know, the question of like, well, who am I? Why am I here? Is a question that all humans have to wrestle with. But I think that the answer to that is God-given. And I think that the time that we spend trying to figure that out to some extent is misspent in some cases because we have an identity that doesn't have anything to do with any of the labels that we wear. And when we get tied up, you know, in those labels and trying to identify ourselves with those things, I think we lose sight of who we really truly are apart from all of them. Yeah. And as you were talking, I was thinking about Moses and when he at the burning bush and his conversation with God, and and this is in Genesis and I, my Bible is across the room, so I'm not able to pull that out. But In that time, Moses says to God, when God is telling him to go back to Egypt and and God's going to use him, and Moses is 
but who am I? Like, who am I? That's like an identity crisis that he was having. And I love what God said to him. He said, I am with you. Like, that's who you are. That's your identity is I am with you. Your identity is in me. So how can we combat that imposter syndrome in our own lives, in our own thought process? I think it has to do with, you know, obviously for me, at least people of faith, it's going to deal with, you know, internalizing scripture and internalizing who God says we are, because that is the truth that is inarguable. God, God has declared who we are and whether we believe it or not is another issue, but it doesn't change the fact that that is the ultimate truth. And I think that that is really our, I would say maybe our first line of defense against imposter syndrome is just knowing who we actually are. And, you know, that does, I think that does have to be wrestled with sometimes. And we have to, you know, kind of go to the mat with God about this. You know, some of it's because we don't believe it or because it makes us uncomfortable or because we don't know what to do with it or any of those things. And I think those are all worthy places of getting on your face with Jesus and saying, I I don't know how to embrace this or believe this or live this or whatever. But I do think that that is the ultimate, I would say, defense or weapon against those voices that tell you, you are not fill in the blank or you cannot do whatever. Yeah. And I was thinking about that Moses, he did wrestle with God because then it was, you know, I still don't, I I can't talk. I talk with a stutter. So he had that conversation back and forth with God about that out of fear of all of what I can't do instead of focusing on what God was saying, this is what I'm going to do through you. Now we know Moses eventually was obedient to God and God said, you've got Aaron who will help you. And there are people that God puts in our lives to help us. Have there been specific people that have really helped you through this imposter syndrome? I would say yes, probably at any given time. Some of my closest friends who, you know, I let into this this place of wrestling have been voices of truth to remind me of what my work is and what my worth is. So I would say, yeah, just close, close friends and people like that who have spoken into my life and who I, I let speak into my life. I listen to them. And a lot of times, though, we're uncomfortable with that, like to truly give somebody permission to speak into our life, to show us those blind areas. Have you noticed that in the work that you have done with women, that there are those that struggle to let people speak into their life? Or do you see that they're really hungry for growth and change? I would say I probably see more of a hunger for growth and change, but I also see that when somebody compliments somebody else, And the person receiving the compliment really has a hard time accepting it and just saying, thank you for that. You know, we want to, we want to sort of downplay it like, oh no, I'm not, no, you know, I, but I do this or, you know, we want to kind of make excuses for why we don't deserve the compliment. And I think that that's what I see more is women struggling to receive that word about themselves and really believe it, like internalize it and go, this is, this is a true thing. And I don't know, there's probably so many reasons why that is difficult for some of us, lots of layers there to unpack. But I think that that's what I see as the biggest struggle. Yeah. And as you're talking, I'm thinking, okay, so the internalizing the scripture, wrestling with God, and then coming to a place of not reacting when somebody does say something kind and compliments us or 
or acknowledges the gifts that they see in us instead of having that gut reaction of downplaying it, like you just said, to say thank you and hold your tongue and not say any more. That is a battle for a lot of us. Yeah. And I think it comes down to the fact that for most of us, I don't think we believe it. You know, I think that that's where the, you know, what do we really believe about God and about ourselves is called into question in those moments. And I don't say that in a negative way of calling. I think we, I think we have to wrestle with those things. I think we have to acknowledge them, but I think we have to pay attention to the way that that does. Like, why do we have that reaction? Why are we resistant? Why is it hard for us to receive that word of encouragement or where somebody says, God has really gifted you in this area. And we're like backing into a corner, like, no, no, no. Why do we not believe it? And I think that those are the places where it's worth plumbing those depths with God and saying, why is this hard for me? What is it about this truth that I cannot believe? And then asking God to bring us to a place of trust and faith that these things are true. And they are true because God does bless us with certain gifts and abilities. And God does give good gifts to his children, you know, but we have to come to a place of really believing that that is actually true. And I think part of that is because there's that false sense of humility that we need to be humble and not accept it and not acknowledge that God gave me this gift and God taught me to hone that and to practice it. And I I think of a pianist who, you know, you see them doing a performance at Carnegie Hall or or someplace, well, they didn't just get there. You know, they practiced, they honed their gift, they were diligent and they took care of that gift and, and they did the work. And we do the work in different aspects of our life of those gifts and talents that God has given us. But then we're going to falsely be humble because we feel like we have to. Now, I'm not saying be prideful about it, but there's a balance. And I think that's where that imposter syndrome comes in is like, well, no, I can't ever say thank you, because then I'm being prideful. So I'm going to say, oh, no, no, it, you know, I, I hear it a lot. Oh, no, it wasn't me. It was just God moving through me. And I've said to people, I just want you to know you're very gifted. And I appreciate the gifts that God has given you. But you've worked hard to be faithful with those gifts. It's like the coins, the money that is given where, you know, one buries it and the other two do something with the gift that God has given them. And we don't want to bury the gifts that God has given us. We want to prosper them. We want them to double because that's the gift that God has given us. And that's the call he has on our life. Um, Your area of ministry may be different than my area of ministry. There may be some overlap, but I got to stay in my lane of where God has called me and be faithful to that and be diligent to do the work that God has called me to do. And so that fine line of not being so humble that you're caught up in or false humility and you're caught up in imposter syndrome and then not being prideful. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think we don't know how to do that well. I yeah. think we don't know how to recognize, like we don't want to call false humility what it is. Yeah. You know, and we don't want to call pride what it is. Yeah. And I think as long as we keep kind of tap dancing around those things and not calling a thing a thing, then we will continue to wrestle with what that actually looks like when it manifests in us. Yeah. And 
you know, I'm sure you see this in your counseling work that when, when we're able to finally name what something actually is, then you can deal with it. You cannot deal with it and address it properly or in a healthy way if you cannot say what it actually is. And I think that that's a place where the church and our community of believers, like we can help each other in that. But it is uncomfortable work too. I mean, how do you point out somebody's pride or false humility? It's awkward and it's difficult. So it has to be navigated tenderly and with care. But I think that that reminds me of a scripture about iron sharpening iron. Yeah. Is that that's what we do for each other. We say, every time I compliment you, you shrug it off. And I want you to think about that. I want you to, to look at why you're doing it. And, and I think that's the work we're called to do for each other. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think of Joshua too, that it, it says, be bold and courageous. And what Joshua, when God was telling him that, and he told him that quite a few times as he was stepping into that role of leadership, he was stepping into the call God had him for and the purpose with boldness and courage and a confidence that comes from the Lord. So we think that if we have confidence, then it's prideful, which as we just said, some confidence is pride, but some confidence is not. And so you're right. We need those people in our life that are going to speak to us if we are prideful and then are going to speak to us about our false humility, but that only comes out of relationship. So we don't just walk up to someone we barely know <laughs> because some, some people do do that. And, you know, we, we do that out of relationship, out of love where it's, we're on this walk together and we're encouraging one another together and they speak into my life and I speak into their life. That's where we sharpen one another is through relationship. But I love that example you gave. I agree with you. It's got to be in relationship. I think that no, I don't want to sidetrack us, but I think that's a danger of, you know, social media is that we have this false sense of familiarity with somebody. Yeah. And sometimes people speak into your life in a way that they really don't have the relational currency to do. Yeah. And I think that that, you know, that does feed into imposter syndrome too, because when you're in these environments in the public, you are sort of inviting people to speak into your life and you're speaking into their life. But we have to know where that line is between when is it appropriate for me to offer this to somebody and when is it maybe not my role. And social media is given such a thought. It's a thought process that people have as if you post it, then I have the right to speak to you. And even if I don't know you, that's like a friend of a friend posting on your post because they saw it through their comment to you. And that's the danger of the social media is the negativity and the bluntness and the harshness that people say to one another, because correction without love is abusive. So we need to recognize that, but also recognize whether, you know, social media has diminished boundaries that are established for a reason. And so we've got to reestablish those boundaries if we're using social media, like you said, be aware of what we're posting and also use the boundaries about social media like this is only my friends, immediate friends only. And just what am I going to post on social media? Is that really the place that I need to air my frustration or air my hurt? Or is it find counsel? Spend time in prayer, find counsel, find that group of friends in your community, those people that who can really speak into your life that have relationship with you and that are going to walk with you through it, not just drop a comment and move on with their life. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I really do think that some of those negative voices become the voices that we hear in our head when we're wrestling yeah. with imposter syndrome. Yeah. And just because some, you know, some stranger on the internet says something to you does not make it true. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to believe it. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's been like, you know, some different shows that have come out. There was the one on Netflix about social network and, you know, opening our eyes to what the the underground stuff of this is and to recognize, oh, this isn't healthy for us. And and I have found more and more people that are disconnecting from social media and saying, I want to get back to relationship in my community because this is unhealthy for me. I have a lot of clients, especially teens and college age in their 20s, early 30s that say, I have to disconnect from social media because it causes my anxiety or my depression to go through the roof. And I encourage them to do that, like get connected, find your support system in your community and with your friends and family instead of just through social media because it's false. It's not the full reality. We're just getting the part that people want us to see. Well, and I wonder if the the environment on social media doesn't sort of become a hotbed for breeding imposter syndrome because yeah. when at any point are we exposed to so many seemingly successful, beautiful, accomplished people? That's what our feeds are full of. And yeah. it doesn't take very long to look through, you know, a stack of images and forget that these are polished, these are specifically staged in a lot of cases and things like that, and then start to question our ability to do what we feel called to do or our worth or our identity. I mean, I feel like it totally feeds that monster. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we need to recognize that. So I just want to encourage you listeners that if you're feeling that imposter syndrome, like if the things that we're talking about really are ringing true, to you right now, look at your life and see what are the things that are feeding that in an unhealthy way. And what are the things that if they aren't feeding that in an unhealthy way, what do you need to let go of right now? Social media, our phones and the apps and everything is addicting. It is extremely addicting. You know, they have studies that show children that have complete meltdowns because, and we're talking young children, but older children as well, that have complete meltdowns because their phone has been taken away from them. There is an addiction that we have and it's unhealthy and we need to recognize how can I bring health back into my life and what do I need to let go of or minimize my usage And I have really done that. I don't know about you, Chris, but I have done that in the last few months, especially with the election and all the negativity. It just was breaking my heart too much to see all the, hear all the negativity and to see the things and to see people attacking one another and not just, are you a Republican or are you a Democrat, but one Christian attacking another Christian because of different beliefs. And that has really grieved my heart greatly. And caused me to say, I need to step back from this because this is unhealthy and it's grieving my heart. And I'm, I'm praying for our nation. I'm praying for the people, but I'm recognizing where do I need to downscale so I can have health in my life. I totally agree. I think one of the ways that I'm able to sort of come back from a season where imposter syndrome is really heavy and it's sort of just oppressing me and I'm having real trouble getting out from under it 
nine times out of 10 for me, it always involves a social media fast. Because when I pull away from all of those voices, yeah, I am more able to hear, first of all, God's voice Absolutely. more clearly, yeah. not being filtered through everybody else's interpretation of it, but just a direct connection with the Lord. And then I don't have all of that distraction that is like feeding. It is, it's just like, it's like you're poisoning yourself, yeah. you know, and, and I can usually tell it's time for an extended break when I start to feel really under the boot of imposter syndrome and it just won't let up and I can't seem to quiet those thoughts or I can't get away from that. That's when I I usually go, I think I need to get away from all of these voices for a while so that I can sort of recalibrate my soul really and my mind. And I, I think it's an important practice. I'm I'm taking a Facebook fast right now during Lent, and it is so good for me to just kind of come away from a space like that and go, I need to hear only one legitimate voice right now, and that's God's, and everything else is just going to be problematic for me in this moment. But you have to you have to recognize that, you know, you have to recognize that in yourself. You have to pay attention to what are the things that are triggering that in you, what is causing it. Yeah. And, and spending that time with God and asking him, what is it that I need to let go of, or I need to taper down on and limit myself because it it is very unhealthy. Some of the things that we're being exposed to, which you're right, it is feeding that imposter syndrome. So I'm kind of curious as, you know, thinking about the last year, maybe the last three years, how much imposter syndrome has increased with people than before because social media has become such a huge part of people's daily lives. That would be interesting to see a study about that. Mm -hmm. So what are two or three things that you can share with our listeners today as they begin their journey of healing from imposter syndrome? I know you shared a couple. Is there anything else you feel like you would want to share with us? I think mainly that if you, if you are struggling with it, I think you need to, I think it, well, I don't want to say need, I think it's helpful to share it with somebody who you trust, who can speak a counter word to those thoughts, because sometimes I think we can't really do it ourselves. Like we're just, we're just so under it. And it's just so hard to hear a different thought that sometimes I think inviting somebody else into these thoughts and allowing them to say this, you know, this is not true because blah, 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 and then tell you why it's not true. I think sometimes that's extremely helpful when we really are having trouble finding our way out ourselves. I think prayer is huge. I haven't been journaling much lately, but um, journaling is a big thing to kind of write out these things and look at them and, and process them in prayer and And of course, reading scripture, we talked about it, but, you know, going back to what we know is true and saying, does this even actually sound like the truth? Is it really true? And does God speak to me this way? Or is this something else that I'm hearing? And I think that's really important work to sit down and really analyze what we're hearing and go, what is this? And where is it coming from? And how do I close that door? Because I don't think that that voice should be allowed to run rampant in my mind. Yeah. And recognizing what voice, because I was thinking, you know, we talk about the voices that are, you know, is it God's voice? Is it your, your own voice? Or is it the enemy of our soul's voice? 
And our own voice can be that imposter syndrome speaking to us, that negativity. So Chris, tell us about your books. Yeah, let's see. In 2013 or 2014, I released my first book, which was Holy, Holy, Holy. And that was a Lenten sort of devotional book. And then after that, I published Come Lord Jesus, which is an Advent devotional. And then this past year in 2020, I published my book called Everything is Yours. And that one is about surrender. And that one just, it's almost a year old. In April, it will be a year old. So those are my, my books that are out right now. And then I've contributed to other, other books. So how can people connect with you online and purchase your books and find out about your retreats and all that information? Yeah, the books are all available through Amazon or Barnes & Noble, other places that sell books. You can find lots of reviews and info about them through, you know, looking at those sites. The retreat, if you go to refineretreat.com, you can subscribe to be notified about our next retreat, which will be in September, Lord willing, if, if everything keeps moving the way it's moving. And so you can subscribe there and and get notified about upcoming retreats and what's going on with the retreat. And then I have, I have my own website, chriscamilli.com, but I'm not, and I'm not actively blogging much there right now. Well, I so appreciate just your input and the conversation that we've had that is a really needed conversation. Like you said, it's not about social status. It's not about age. It's not about gender. We all deal with the struggles of imposter syndrome. In the last few minutes that we have here, could you close us out in prayer? Sure. Father God, thank you so much for this opportunity to share and to talk about imposter syndrome, which is a very real struggle for for so many of us. I thank you for the truth that you give us, that we we can keep turning to you. We can hold these things out to you and ask you, what do I do with this? And you will direct our steps. You will direct our minds and our hearts. And I just thank you for your goodness and for your willingness to shepherd us through these seasons. And I just pray, God, if whoever is listening, um, whatever struggle they're carrying today as they listen, that you would just meet them in the midst of that, that you would minister to their heart, that you would encourage them, that you would bring other truth speakers into their life if they are in a situation where they do not have much of that. Lord, I just pray that you would bring those people to them so that they could just hear a good and true word in a, in a world that tells us a lot of lies. I thank you for your, your provision and your protection and your guidance and your love and mercy that carry us through all of the seasons. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Chris, for joining us today. Our show notes and all the links that Chris just shared with us today can be found at my website, fullyrestored.love. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all of our shows. We would appreciate it if you would leave a review and a rating as well on whatever platform you're listening to us on and to share our podcast with your friends and family. I would love to stay connected with you. So you can find me on Instagram or on my Facebook page. Both of those are author Kristen Klaus. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of Fully Restored Podcast and you, like me, feel like you're walking away with just um, some tools and some things to ponder, some things to pray about. And I just want to encourage you over the next week, 
two a month. Take some time, as um, Chris had shared, do it. Do some journaling, read the scripture, and, and spend that time with God, asking him, where am I believing in that imposter syndrome? Where is that in my life? And have that conversation with him and maybe have that conversation with some friends as well. Because sometimes it takes hearing a podcast like this, hearing somebody talk that we begin to investigate our own lives and begin to do that work to say, where is that in me? Or I know this is where this is in me and I need to work on that. I appreciate all of you being here today. I appreciate you, Chris, being with us and talking about this important topic. And remember, friends, nothing or no one is beyond restoration with our Jesus.